What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. This is episode number 123. It's finally here. The NBA season is back. We did the Eastern Conference to lead off. Sean and I went up and down the Eastern Conference, seeds 1 through 15. Talked about all those teams, and then we will be back right after with our Western Conference, up and down 1 through 15, some awards, and then obviously we'll crown a champion. So follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports, on Instagram, Sorry underscore Sports. Check out the website, the best website in the world, sorrysports.com. Shoot us an email if you have anything to say, sorrysports at yahoo.com, and enjoy the pod. Welcome back to Sorry to Interrupt. We are finally doing this, man. It's NBA season. It's officially here tomorrow. And we waited till the last minute to get our preview in. But don't worry, everybody. We are here and ready to go. Tom, you ready for this, man? I've been excited for a little bit now. Yes, sir. You definitely need some excitement with the Giants getting smacked by the Cardinals and the Yankees losing. So, And two of them. Yeah, we will... Yeah, I was just going to say, that was the trifecta. Um, it was a rough sports weekend. Um, and I never thought that I would say, thank God it's NBA season because I am excited to watch the Nets. But here we are. Um, we're going to lead off with the Eastern Conference in this podcast, part one of our two-part podcast. In the West, we'll do our, superlati- our superlatives as well. But um, we'll get after it right now. And Tom... There was a lot of shakeups this offseason, and I don't know if you heard that. Oh, shit, really? <laughs> I, I've been living under a, a lot, rock, so you're going to have to fill me in, my friend. Yeah, you know, well, I wasn't sure after uh, your historic rant uh, after free agency. Um, I wasn't sure if you chose to live under a rock with all things NBA. But sometimes I wish. Sometimes you wish. Um, and you know what? If we didn't have to record a pod, you, you might have you might have actually been able to get away with it. Um but, yeah, so a lot of movement, obviously. And the way that we're going to start off, at least with my number one team, is a team that did have a lot of shakeup, and that's the Philadelphia 76ers. I have them as the number one seed coming out of the East. I know they lost Jimmy Butler, who seemed to be their closer. But I'm telling you right now, man, you just he was too much of an alpha dog for that team with, that already has two other alpha dogs, especially Joel Embiid. There just isn't enough ball to go around. Each of Don't them wants the ball. Don't you just love three alpha dogs spots. that haven't won a goddamn thing? Well, I think that that's the biggest thing. Like we knew that Jimmy seemed to be kind of a hired gun, but it just—you knew it was not going to be a long-term situation unless they did something really crazy, like trade an or Simmons, which is not what happened. Simmons actually got a max uh, extension this summer, so the Philadelphia 76ers are loaded, and they bring in. Quietly, I think, you know, we're going to talk about all the crazy off-season signings again. And there were some great ones. But under the radar, I don't know if one is better than Al Horford. Because he gives the 76ers the versatility and the size that they just didn't have last year. He covers for Embiid if Embiid gets hurt. You can play him with Embiid and really go big. Simmons obviously being the giant point guard that he is. And he's such a—he's a guy who knows how to win. He's a real clubhouse guy. He's going to really bring some stability to that organization that was a little bit crazy at times last year. And 
I just look at them and say, if they're healthy, I know the Raptors won it all last year. I know the Bucks were the one seed. I don't know about you, man. I just feel like Philadelphia is just poised. Like, they've waited two years. They lost in heartbreaking fashion last year on that quadruple doink shot by Kawhi in a game seven. They're ready, man. I think this is finally their time. I agree with you completely. You mentioned the two other big teams in the East, and those teams both suffered significant losses when it comes to players. Obviously, Kawhi being the biggest, and then in Milwaukee, they lost to Malcolm Brogdon, who, in my opinion, isn't isn't a, isn't a non-significant loss. I think he's a big-time player. And that Horford signing, it was a little under the radar given the other players that signed, but I think it's huge because you're going to have your annual Joel Embiid 10 to 20 games missed just like every other year right and this gives you the ability to slide him over to center and pretty much cover that because they have a deep bench as well they also brought back Tobias Harris who I think fits in a little bit better without Jimmy Butler being there and they totally also got agree. um Richardson from the heat as well which is a which is a two-way three and D type player so I think this team is poised to be the number one seed I have them as mine as well and you Ray Simmons really got good. a jump shot. Well, we're gonna find out about that. It looks good in the it looks good in uh, preseason, and it looks good in you know pickup games. I'm, I'm very interested to see how it translates well, to actual minutes. Here's my thing, okay? You just have to keep the defense honest when you're that type of talent. And if you can knock down one out of every seven, or or at least look good to the point where they think you're gonna shoot it, then you're in business comparatively to where he was before. To where you could literally stand at the free throw line with him with the ball at the top of the key and dare him to to shoot it and make him drive past you. And I think it's going to be a little different this year if he can at least keep the defense honest. I think that's a great point by you. You actually made a few there. Just to go off that point before resorting back to what you said earlier, I think that that's such a huge deal because we saw how clogged that middle got with him and Embiid. I mean, they really had a really difficult time at, at certain points of the season last year, particularly in that Toronto series of having any kind of maneuverability. I mean, remember Jared Dudley famously said it in the net series, you know, if you get them into the half court, you know, they're, they're a really easy team to defend. And that was in direct response to Simmons, you know, having a non-existent jump shot. So even if he can shoot, I don't know, 30, 32% from, from the, from uh, a jump shot from the middle of the key there, I think that's a huge, huge benefit for that offense. Tobias Harris is a great player. He was a guy that was well worth the trade last year. It seemed like they had too many cooks in the kitchen last year. Not the case here. He was the better choice to, to lock up to the long-term deal than Butler was. He fits that team real well. And you mentioned Josh Richardson. Great job by the by the Sixers targeting him because say what you want about J.J. Redick, and I think he's a fantastic player for his role. You know, obviously he's, a, he's an assassin from three. He's very savvy, never stops moving without the ball. Great locker room guy, and it's not a mistake that he's been in the playoffs every single year of his 11-year career. However, one thing he can't do is play defense. And Richardson presents a much better defensive option for the 76ers this year than they had last year with Redick. So having Tobias Harris, having Richardson, bringing in Horford, who's a mainstay down there. I mean, it's just going to take, I think, Simmons and Embiid, the two linchpins of that team, to the next level. I completely agree with you, and they have a pretty good bench in terms of looking at some of the other teams that I have in my top. They definitely have a strong bench out of that, too. Yeah, man. I mean, I just think that the only thing that I think will hold them back, well, there's two things, and I'm sure you're going to agree with me. 
a giant injury, like a season-ending injury to either Embiid or Simmons, and uh, and Brown as the head coach. I think that he's the only other thing because well, we don't season know. Injury I mean, is gonna is gonna kill any team. If you lose LeBron, you're done. If you lose Kawhi, you're done. Um, but I agree with but, you about but that's Brown. That's my point exactly. But I, I think, think Brown is. I think Brown, yeah. honestly, and, and he did a good job getting him through some of the tanking and whatnot. But you know, and he seems like a nice enough guy. But I just think he holds them back. Honestly, I think that that's going to be the next move is getting a new head coach unless they can win it all this year. And another guy that I didn't mention who got drafted last year and was hurt was Zaire Smith. I think he's going to yep. be a really good player off the bench. Very athletic. Yeah, I do too. I mean, he really got lost last year, and uh, I think he's going to have. I think he's going to play a nice role on this team. Um, really, I, I'm I'm very interested to see what happens with Brown because if they get off to a slow start or they look sluggish or there's some turmoil in that locker room, which shouldn't be the case with guys like Al Horford and and um, and some of the other guys in that in that locker room, the veterans that is. I, I could see some, something where the Sixers GM is going to make a move real fast. Elton Brand, yeah. Um, Elton Brand, yes. To be honest, I'm not quite sure. I thought if they were going to get rid of him, they would have done it in the off season. But um, I don't see them getting off to a slow start anyway. So I think this is a moot point. Yeah. Okay. So we're in agreement there with the 76ers as the one seed in the East. Let's move on to number two. Where's your Where's your number two team, my man? My number two seed, and I think we're going to be in agreement here. Correct me if I'm wrong for you, and that's the Milwaukee Bucks. No, we're in agreement again. All right, cool. Um, I just think that Giannis is going to go up to another level. He claimed he was only 60% of what he could be. I don't know about that because that would be absolutely insane, but I do think he gets better this year. The reason why I don't have him number one, again, is because of the Malcolm Brogdon loss. I don't think Eric Bledsoe is a big-time playoff player, but again, this seeding is based off of the regular season, and I think he's really good defensively. And Chris Middleton's also a good second option. They picked up uh, – they picked up – uh, Brooke Lopez, I don't know if he had an option on there or they just re-signed well, they, him. Well, no, they, re, they re-signed him, yeah. Um, and they also got his brother down there, and I think he's going to bring some toughness and some rebounding, which is something that um, I think the Bucks kind of didn't have as much as they needed in there, getting offensive rebounds and whatnot. But I think this team's still going to be a force to be reckoned with in the Eastern Conference. Oh, easily. I mean... Giannis himself, I mean, I don't know if I buy the 60% thing. I feel like that's just something that players say, but I don't know if we should I'm take only it at face value. I'm myself, by the way, just as a human. <laughs> so I have a lot to go. Well, that's good to know, man. I mean, you're you're not even at the tip of the iceberg at 10%. That's scary. Yeah, um, and on good yeah, days, I mean, honestly, it's probably 8%. Wow. Mm-hmm. Strong. Well, uh, I, again, think that those kind of statements are – they're just, uh, you know, they're, they're makeup, they're eyewash. I don't really know what to say about them. I think that, you know, he's a tremendous player. He won MVP. I expect him to be great this year. All, really, all he has to do is work on his consistency as a shooter. And he doesn't even have to be great because the rest of his game is so fantastic. But you mentioned the Brooke Lopez re-signing and the Chris Middleton re-signing. Listen, I'm not the biggest Chris Middleton fan, but I'm certainly aware enough to know that he's a very, very good player. And when you have Giannis, you don't need another great player, but you need another really, really good one. And that's what that's what Chris Middleton is. The Brogdon loss, I think, is significant. He was I know he's had injury problems in the past. But he's a guy that fit pretty well with Bledsoe and could play without Bledsoe. And now not having a 
a guaranteed second point guard option, I think is going to be a little bit of a problem. I think you the bigger problem is, is the guy that they're relying on is George Hill. And he's really, he's a great player. He's a two-way player, but he's had trouble just staying healthy in general. And now they're really going to be relying on him. I think that's, I think they're going to be in the market very early on for another point guard option because they're going to realize that the combination of Bledsoe and then having to rely so heavily on George Hill is not going to work out in the long run. Um, I like the Robin Lopez signing. I think there's actually going to be times where both brothers are playing together because you know how Budenholzer has it, where Brooke plays from three-point line quite often, and you can have Robin, who's really the antithesis of Brooke, getting all those garbage points and the tough and getting the tough blocks down low. Um, I the like one that thing pairing I say a lot. Is, and I think this was their Achilles heel last year, and I said this last year. I would like to see Brooke post up a little bit. Obviously not when Robin's in there, but when they're switching out, I would like to see Brooke Lopez post up a little bit. I think that opens up a whole new niche to their offense. That was something they should have done in the Eastern Final against Toronto because he he really was only playing away from the basket and they had no interior option against a guy like Marc Gasol. The other last guy I'll mention before we move on to number three, I like Wes Matthews. I know he's been moved around a decent amount, and you got to see him a little bit with your Knicks last year. He's a nice, serviceable player, man. And I think that just with the kind of offense that Coach B runs, I, I think that I think he's going to have a nice year as a filler guy, as a sixth, seventh man off the bench. And, um, you know, I could, see, I could see him contributing pretty well to this Milwaukee team. I think it's going to be more a Pat Connaughton and Dante DiVincenzo. I just think Wes Matthews is a little past his prime, especially with that Achilles injury happened to him a little further on in his career than Kevin Durant, and they're clearly not the same player. But you're right. He's a guy that can knock down a three. He's just not the defensive player he used to be. No, definitely not. But, again, he's the kind of guy that most winning teams have. Like He's a guy that could get you you know, eight to ten points in a playoff game. Yeah, absolutely. And in the regular season, if you need to give somebody rest, he can give you 20 on a random night. For sure. Uh, and and especially if they do some load management work, you know, he's a guy that they might turn to and be a little bit of a focal point. Obviously, I'm not going to sit up here and talk about how great Wes Matthews is, but when you look up and down this roster, he's another piece that seems to fit with the kind of offense and schemes that they run. Absolutely. I agree with you there. All right, so... Our one and two, I don't know if you agree with me here, but I feel like one and two are kind of pretty far ahead of the rest of the playoff race that we have, no matter the teams. But I think these two are going to be the class of the Eastern Conference. I think they're a crash course for the East Final. I definitely agree with that. And another thing I will say, when you get down to your six, seven, eight, uh, it's complete opposite of the Western Conference because I was having trouble picking teams there. I was having trouble just even finding a team to make the playoffs on this side. You know, it's interesting, man. When we go down our six, seven, eight, there were actually a lot of teams that I could make an argument for being a, being a 40-win team or being a 28-win team. Yeah, like, there's a crazy. lot of those teams put in there. And like you said, I mean, I was prepping for this last week, and I, I think I changed my list in the West. And when we do our West podcast, I, I mean, I'm, I'm still at odds with it. I feel like I just have to get it on the air so I don't keep changing it. Yeah, no, it's somebody, one of us, like last year when I picked Orlando, I was either going to look really smart or really dumb. Luckily, as I well, usually do, I look really smart. But and we both like, were right with our with our feel good eight seed picks. Yes, and um, I think that I think that we're gonna it's gonna be the same thing this year. Some of these guys that we got down at the bottom, I think we're either gonna look really dumb and they're gonna be a lottery team, or we're gonna look really smart because it could go either way. 
Well, now that we got the first two out of the way, I'm really looking forward to see how we order the rest of this because I think now it's about to get fun. Yes, so my number three team is the Boston Celtics. Kemba Walker-led Boston Celtics. I think Hayward's going to be a lot better this year. I think we saw flashes of it last year, another full offseason to rehab from that injury. He's an all-around great basketball player. I think he has the talent to be a top 20 player in the league. He can create, he can shoot off the dribble, he can cut. He does it all pretty much, and you can run an offense through him, and maybe Kemba Walker can play off-ball a little bit, and you know that guy can knock down a three. And I think uh, Brown, who's looking for a big-time contract, is going to have a great year, and I think Tate Oh, is well, don't worry about time. that, man. He's, he signed his today. Oh, okay. He signed a nice, big, very, very, very strong superstar deal, a four-year, $103 million extension. Well, I and think he'll that be in Boston for a long time. Let's put the good year. I feel like the Celtics believe that. Let's put those uh, trade whispers to rest. Yeah, no, not at all there. Although no contract is untradeable nowadays, Sean. No, but I feel like if they were ready to move on from him, they would have found a way to deal him. He's he's in Boston for the long haul. They're banking on his potential. Of course, and the last guy I'll talk about is obviously Tatum. I think Smart and all those other ancillary pieces are going to do what they do. They've been doing it for the past couple years. But Tatum, again, he looked really good in the World Championships before he got dinged up. And I think this year he's going to be going to the basket a lot more and going to the free throw line a lot more. I think he's going to have a good third year to come off a mediocre at best second year. I like Boston a lot, man. But they're my number four team. Um, My number three team is the Brooklyn Nets. Oh, here we go. So... I, I, told, I originally had Boston as my third team because I do think the chemistry is going to be a lot better. Marcus Morris is gone, and obviously Kyrie is gone, which was the biggest. Obviously, that team just never fit last year. But one that I think it's very undersold as to how big of a loss Horford is for them because Aaron Baines is also gone. And I don't know who's playing – a lot of big-time minutes for them at the strong positions. I think the kid out of Texas A&M from two years ago. What is his name? Well, Robert, Robert Williams. Has Robert been, Williams? Robert Williams. Well, he better be really good because Enos Cantor is your other option. And as good of a rebounder and offensive player he is, we have seen him just – you can't – he's unplayable. On the, he's, a, he's unplayable in big spots on the defensive side of the ball. And – I think from the chemistry standpoint, I think from the the rest of the town is still really, really good. Tatum, I expect to be great. Brown, I expect to be great. Hayward, I expect to have really returned back to form that he was in his Utah days. But I just have a lot of problems. Where are they going to be defensively in big spots and games? The reason I'm putting the next three is... Is it a little homerish? Of course it is. Actually, you could say it's much more than a little homerish. But they're not being talked about as far as some of the other teams. And when I've listened to a lot of other guys talk about the NBA and the Eastern Conference in particular, I think that we're undervaluing Kyrie Irving as just how great he is. I know he was a pain in the ass last year. But he's a much better player than D'Angelo Russell is. And I'm a D'Angelo Russell fan. I love him. He's part of the major reason why the Nets are in the position that they were in this summer. But even in a a tumultuous season, Kyrie Irving had his best statistical year of his career. And if he's driven and he's healthy and he's playing well, 
He is a dynamic force. And the Nets were a sixth seed last year winning 42 games. I definitely think that they can be better than that, even if you just interchange Kyrie for D'Angelo Russell. So there's one. Two. I love Damari Carroll. Really nice glue guy. Torian Prince is a much better player than Damari Carroll. And he's on this team, too. I know we think of him as the tra- as the guy that came over for the salary dump in the Alan Crabb deal that freed up that extra cap space. But Torian Prince is a really good player, and he signed an extension today for two years, $29 million. Karis LeVert. Can we talk about the ascension that Karis LeVert was on before his injury and how he was the best player in the playoffs for the Brooklyn Nets in that short five-game set against Philadelphia? I think he's ready to take his game to the next level as well. I like Jared Allen, the way these Nets players have gone. He's going to get better here in his third year. I think they're going to miss Ed Davis, but DeAndre Jordan is a very fine backup center for defensive purposes and rebounding. He's fine. Joe Harris was the leading three-point shooter in the NBA last year. Just another good piece. I look up and down this Eastern Conference, and I really am trying to think, are the Boston Celtics exponentially better than the Brooklyn Nets? Again, health is going to play a major role, but if I look at the two as kind of even, I'm going to just put the Nets because I'm a Nets fan. Also, I don't expect it to happen. I would put it at under 5%. But come April, if they're in a second-round series, we might see Kevin Durant. We don't know yet. And if that's the case, then we're looking at an even stronger team. But just for the regular season, for the reasons I detailed, and because I'm kind of a homer, I don't look at Boston much better than the Nets, and I look at Boston 4, I look at Brooklyn 3, Look for Kyrie to be a dark horse MVP kind of candidate because we've seen him in his first year at places. He's happy and he plays great. All right, that sounds good. Uh, my number four team, because I'm going to get to the Nets after that, is the Indiana Pacers. Ooh. Yeah, I just think that everybody's talking about Olin Depot and how he's not going to be the same. I think, listen, it's going to take a little bit of time for him to get back, but I think by the All-Star break, and I think they're going to go on a run in the in the second half, he's going to be back to form. I think Miles Turner had a really, really good offseason. I believe he played with Team USA. I can't remember. Yeah, um, he did. And I think he looked really good out there, as well as Sabonis. I think there's a Twin Towers thing going on in there, but Sabonis can knock it down from the outside a little bit. I think they can make it work, and I love the addition of Malcolm Brogdon. I think Malcolm Brogdon's huge, and Sabonis was another extension uh, player today. He signed a four-year, $75 million extension with the Pacers to stay in Indiana, so they're banking on him and Turner being those Twin Towers that you spoke of. Absolutely. So that's why I have the Pacers there. Who do you have at number four, my friend? I think you have the Celtics. I have have Boston four, and I don't need to go much deeper into them. I spoke about them a lot just before. So, again, I kind of looked at the Nets and them the same. I do have questions about them defensively. That's really it, but I think they're going to be a damn good team. Absolutely. So for my number five team, I have the Brooklyn Nets. You summarized them pretty well. A couple players that you didn't mention was, um, is his name Kurox? Oh, Rudian's Kurox, yep. I think he's going to be an impact player as well as Dinwiddie off the bench. And to be honest, I think that they have a stronger bench than the Celtics as well as the Pacers. I think this team's going to be really good. I just think, listen, I I need Kyrie to earn my trust back after the crap that he's pulled. Great player. I love him. But I just need the guy to show me that he's going to do it for a full season. 
No, I think that's fair. And, I, and, you know, I'm kind of banking with him as we don't know what the future holds. But I look at him and I say, you know, he chose to go here, which is different than any other situation he's been in. That first year in Boston, he was great. He was, you know, he was perceivably happy. And, um, you know, if he didn't get hurt, who knows what that Boston team could have done. But obviously last year he was still a tremendous player, even with all his, his bullshit. Um, but it's a, fair, it's a fair question. I mean, I'm obviously looking at half glass full, glass half full with him, but I, I definitely have the questions. I mean, how could you not? I mean, the stink that he left in the air from that Boston team is just, it was inexcusable what he pulled in the playoffs. We'll put it that way. Absolutely. Um, the only my, thing I will say, Kenny Atkinson, do not fall in love with Jordan, with uh, DeAndre Jordan. You need to play Jared Allen as much as he can play. I think that's the way they're leaning, and I think that's what DeAndre Jordan's been told, and he's fine with it. He'll get his minutes. Nobody should be taking minutes away from Jared Allen. This is this is the guy that needs to grow. He's an extension candidate next year. And, yeah, you did mention uh, Kurox and uh, Dinwiddie. Dinwiddie's going to be a candidate for a sixth man of the year award, I think. I mean, he almost won it last year if it wasn't for Lou Williams again. Um, he's a damn good player. You could start on most teams, so I do like their depth. Number five for me, I have the Miami Heat. I think this Heat team is going to be really, really good. Um, because Jimmy Butler, again, he chose to go here. He kind of knows what's going on with the roster makeup. I think he's a Pat Riley guy. He's a dog. We saw how he carried that Sixer team in the postseason last year, much more so than Embiid and Simmons and Tobias Harris to a lesser extent. Uh, Tyler Harrow? I love him. Is this uh, a, he might be I was my just going to say, he might is, be this a, is, is this a Rookie of the Year award dark horse candidate? Because Zion's, we out. Don't, Zion's out for a while now, and if Harrow gets, plays anything like he's played in the preseason so far, uh, this could be something special. I like the rest of their makeup. I mean, look at this roster. They've still got Goran Dragic. They have Harrow, Butler, Olenek, and they've got Bam. And well, keep in forget- mind, Bam's going to be starting this year, and I think he's great, and they got rid of the absolute anchor in Hassan Whiteside, who hasn't tried in for about be- four years. You just beat me to the punch, man. I was going to say, don't forget that they finally got off of Hassan Whiteside's And when I say contract. anchor, I mean he's dragging them down, not that he's holding them down. No, he's he's really dragging. He has dragged them down, and I don't know what Portland was thinking because the Heat got Miles Leonard in that trade, and Miles Leonard is a very competent center. I think he's he going to play really well. He sure can, man, and he can rebound too. I think he's going to play really well uh, off the bench when Bam's taking his rest. Obviously, the biggest question, I think, with the Heat is – are we going to see the Chris Paul trade that I think we're all kind of waiting on? I don't know. Man. I, I don't. I don't know anything because I don't know if you remember from earlier. I said Chris Paul gets traded within the next week when that shit happens. Yeah, and, and I think that was a fair expectation because what is Oklahoma City doing with him? But we're going to see. I think we're seeing Chris Paul get dealt. It makes too much sense. I think him with Jimmy Butler would be a really good pairing. Well, it's not for um, lead out Kyle Lowry as a trade candidate down to Miami as well. I think they're a team that has sneaky good potential. I think they're a team that has a good feel to them. Jimmy Butler's finally in a place where he can really dominate. And that's a very positive thing for um, for the Miami Heat. So I'm going to put them as my number five seed. All right, man. Let's move on to number six. I personally have the Toronto Raptors at number six. Yes, me too. Nice. 
Marcus Marcusall, in my opinion, has not. We just said that it's not tradable, but a very let's just say a very difficult contract to trade by picking up that option. Um, they still have Serge Ibaka and Kyle Lowry. As of right now, is still on this team, and this Eastern Conference at the bottom is such garbage. I just think they easily walk to the number six seed. Yeah, I think that they make a lot of sense for the six seed. Because think about all these teams at the bottom, and we're going to get there. But the Hornets, the Knicks, the Wizards, the Cavs. I mean, I, there's oh, oh, there's some bad. There's a lot to go around teams. here. No, there really is, and. I think that they're being swept on a little bit. I still think Lowry has something left in the tank, and if they really do bottom out, they can look to trade him. They signed Siakam to a four-year max extension, $129 million worth. And so obviously they believe that he's going to take over for Kawhi and be the linchpin to that, to that roster. I look at the rest of their team, Norman Powell, OG Ananobi, and Gasol. I think that, and obviously, let's not forget about Fred Van Vliet, too, who had just a really, really good postseason run that we didn't get talked about nearly as much because of Kawhi's heroics. This is a pretty damn good team, I still believe, but there are ways in which they can kind of fold up. I'm interested to see how long they go with being average. Is the sixth seed enough to say, based off our pedigree now, they, remember, they played really, I forget what the record was exactly, but they kicked ass when um, Kawhi didn't play. So I think that there's still a little bit of fight in this team that says, hey, hey, we're getting disrespected a little bit. We did just win the championship. And uh, Nick Nurse is a fantastic coach. I'm going to say that they're going to be happy with the sixth seed and take their chances in the playoffs. But maybe they decide to, to start selling off some pieces. You're talking about Gasol being hard to trade. This is the last year of his deal. I think if things do go south for them, he's not going to be hard to trade. I think that there's a lot of teams that could that could really use a Marcus All, just like Toronto could last trade deadline. Yeah, you're you're definitely right about that. It is last year on the deal, so that was our number six seed. Number seven, I have the Miami Heat. I just think that this team's going to take a little bit to, a little bit of time to get into flow. I still think they're going to make the playoffs, and they could be a, an upset team in the first round for somebody sleeping. But I still like this team almost as much as you do. Just just not as much. Maybe a couple games difference. Yeah, you and I have flipped a little bit with Indiana and Miami. I like Miami more than you do, and you like Indiana more than I do. I have Indiana here because of the addition of Brogdon. Oladipo, I have no idea when he's playing. But they played well without him last year to end the regular season. We kept waiting for them to collapse, and they never did. They also got T.J. Warren, who I know people are mixed on. I think he's a pretty decent player, and he's never been anywhere good. I think he's going to add a nice dynamic to this team. And they're going to be a big team because you also have some bonus in Turner. I think that this team has sneaky good potential. I, I think that just when I'm looking up and down this conference, in my opinion, I can't put him ahead of Toronto yet and I can't put them ahead of Miami or Boston or Brooklyn. So that's why I have them at seven, but I expect them to be a pretty decent team. I can see them winning 44 games. Yeah, I definitely think the Warren pickup was huge. That guy, that guy plays defense really well, and he can shoot it, and he can fill it up. Let's move on to the number eight team. For me, I'm going back-to-back years with this team, the Orlando Magic. Good I, for you. I just think, listen, I'm going to say it. It's going to sound crazy. I think Fultz is going to have a good year. He's still got a hitch in his shot, man. Yeah, but it's not as bad. And <laughs> <It's not good. laughs> I, I don't know what to say besides, I just think, listen, 
when you have that much athletic talent and you're that explosive, I think that he's definitely going to be able to figure it out. And I think he has a halfway decent year. With the rest of those pieces, they brought back Vucevic. They returned. They got back the asset. I think he's definitely their most stable and probably their best player. I think Aaron Gordon steps up this year. I think Isaacs definitely has a really good, what is it, third year? Third year, yeah. You know, Mo Bamba, whatever you can get from him that's a positive is a plus because I don't think he's going to play that much. I don't think he's going to play a lot either. And, you know, you can't have a draft pick like that because year two, he's going to, again, be kind of a non-factor. I was tempted to go with Orlando. DJ Augustine, he's not great, but he's just sturdy. And he's just, he knows how to play basketball. And I think that that matters. But I went to the Detroit Pistons. They were a playoff team last year. They were the eighth seed last year. And... I hope to God, for their sake, they don't lock themselves into Andre Drummond. I think that would just be a mistake beyond mistakes. But the looking at this team, you've got Blake Griffin, who became a three-point specialist last year. He shot an incredible percentage from three. Um, obviously, they're going to win a lot of games just simply because they're going to outwork teams down low with, because Drummond's uh, capable for 20 and 15 every night. So is Griffin, especially now with that three-point shot. Tony Snell's a fine player, Reggie Jackson. Derrick Rose. I don't lo- and I was just going to say, Derrick Rose, I saw today that they waived Joe Johnson, the three-point, or the... Um, big three. What is it? The big three MVP. Um, so that, that didn't last long. Um, I wonder if anybody else will pick him up. But I still think that this team has enough to win enough games to sneak into that last spot in the East. It was really between them and Orlando for me. Um, I think they're pretty comparable, but if you were to hold a gun to my head, I'll, I'll go with Detroit. All right, so why don't we recap our playoff teams before we start going to the bottom half of the Eastern Conference. So for number one, I have Philly, two, Milwaukee, three, Boston, four, Indiana, five, Brooklyn Nets, six, Toronto Raptors, seven, Miami Heat, and eight, I'm going back-to-back years with my Orlando Magic. And you and I are in lockstep on one and two. Obviously, Philly one, Milwaukee two, Brooklyn three, Boston four, Miami five, Toronto six, Indiana seven, and Detroit eight. All right, so let's jump into our nine through 15 seeds here. These guys are going to be in the lottery. Um, I have the Chicago Bulls just barely missing the playoffs. I really like this team. I think Zach Levine has a chance to lead the league in scoring if James Harden and Westbrook decide to take on different roles. Um, I also obviously like Lori Markinen. I still hold out hope for Chris Dunn, although I may be the only one still holding out hope for him. But they I think you got, are. They went and got Kobe White in the draft. I think he's going to be really good. And I also like Wendell Carter. I just I like this team. I like this team too, but I'm going to put the Magic at nine, just because I really was. I, I, it was between them and Detroit. Um, for the eight seed. And although I really like Chicago and they're not far off for me, um, they're a potential team for me. They have so many pieces that you look at that say, wow, if things break right, they could be the surprise team in the East and maybe, maybe even get into the playoffs. But I, the potential teams scare me unless I, unless they're, you know, already playoff proven and they're taking that next week. Um, I'm going to pick Orlando for all the reasons that you mentioned about why they should be the eight seed. And, um, again, I like DJ Augustine. I think Jonathan Isaac's going to have a good year. I think they're just going to miss it, though. 
All right, so moving on to my number 10, and then you'll give yours after. I have the Detroit Pistons. This is solely based off the fact that I don't think Derrick Rose, nor do I think Blake Griffin can stay healthy. I think they both miss extended time this year. And I, I think you can put that one in the books. I also don't really like Reggie Jackson. I think he's a good stats on a bad team type player. And Andre Drummond, eh, eh. That's all yeah. I have to say. I know, and that he's the ultimate. He could be great in the in the regular season, but you don't want him in the playoffs, kind of thing. And you don't want That's him where in the like, time. He can't even no, play. But they'll. But we saw last year that they were able to get to the playoffs and win, and and you know actually win some big games down the stretch simply with him on the floor. Like he'll just fit, he'll have those games. He'll have twenty games this year where he just dominates out of nowhere because he could, he's capable of it against inferior competition, but. Those are games that, you know, they're going to find in the win column. My number 10 team is going to be the Atlanta Hawks. I think Trey Young is poised for an even better year this year. This is going to be one of those, like, most fun teams to watch. They're not going to be great, but they're going to be really fun. Kevin Herter, year two, super fun player to watch. They get DeAndre Hunter in the draft. They also take Cam Reddish in the draft. So they should be able to shoot and score and stretch. John Collins, again, a really nice player who was sought after last year. I don't like the fact they're starting Alex Lynn at center. <laughs> that bothers me. But they're going to be a fun team. And Alan Crabb is a fine bench piece. He's so he's looked at so negatively because of the onerous contract that he has. But just let's be honest, man. He's a fine player off the bench. And let's not forget, in year whatever it is, 20-something. His last one, Vince Carter, he's going to he's gonna play well, and he's going to be a great influence in that locker room. He elected to stay there. I think this is going to be a really fun team to watch. Um, they're my 10 seed in the East. All right, so then that brings me to 11. I have the Atlanta Hawks, and I just think one – since probably the Oklahoma City Thunder back when they went to the finals, I don't remember a team this young ever being good since then. And on top of that, I just think that they're probably going to be the worst defensive team in basketball. And oh, they're going to be a sieve and defensively. I think, yeah. Listen, offensively they're special, but I just think that they're going to have to win a lot of games, 132 to 130. And some of those games they're going to lose, some of them they're going to win. They're just not going to be able to keep up with the better teams. Right, and at this point in the pod, you know, we're not arguing over seeding because – who cares? They're going to be out of the playoffs and into the no, lottery. But we can discuss which teams I think are going to be the most fun to watch and have the most potential. Oh, I think they're and going I think to Atlanta's going to be there. A top, I mean, a, 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 a slight contender to a non-contender, top two team fun to watch in the league this year. Aside from our both number one, I think. Yeah, oh, no doubt. We'll yeah, talk we know, about we that are, later. Yeah, we know our number one. For my number 11 seed, I'm going with the Bulls. This is another going to be great, fun team. And, yes, this is a potential team for me. Laurie Markkinen is a fantastic player. Can he take that next step? Zach Levine, a scoring machine. He's there for for a uh, for one of the most fun players to watch. Wendell Carter, like him a lot. Um, obviously, Kobe White. I mean, you got to love his game at North Carolina. He's got the throw going. I think he's going to rejuvenate that team. This is a team that definitely is went from just, oh, my God, they're unwatchable to got really fun. They also brought in uh, Thomas Sadoransky, 
he's a nice player. He learned how to really play basketball with the dreadful Washington Wizards. They have Otto Porter Jr. Again, another guy who just knows how to play good basketball. This roster's fun. It's young, and it's capable of being a team that if you have league pass, you're going to want to watch a lot of. Absolutely, man. So why don't we move on to our number 12 team? In my opinion, the Let's only do reason, it. and the only reason why they're here is because the three teams in front of them are just that much worse, and I think this team has a lot more talent than the three teams behind them. That's my New York Knicks. Yeah, me too. I think that this year all I want to see... Hype everybody up for your next season. Go. Listen, I'm, I'm beaten down. I don't want to talk about free agency. I, me and my therapist probably had a breakthrough like a week ago about that, so I don't want to, I don't want to rehash anything. Um, this year, I, I, I hope to God, I just want to see the young guys play. That's all. I want to see Trier play. I want to see Robinson play. I want to see, obviously, R.J. Barrett run an offense with a little bit more of a spread offense, be able to... You know, get it, kick it to shooters, create a lot of offense. And then the other thing I want to see, please, for the love of God, don't ruin Kevin Knox more than you've already ruined him. I saw that they picked up, um, what's his face, the French guy's extension as well. Oh, you okay, Yeah. That's a guy who played well in the world championships. There's nothing wrong with a guy that can play a lot of defense for you for your team as a guy coming off the bench. And I'm excited to see Portis as well as Randall play. Morris, if they can trade him, I'll be happy. But, but the other guy, Bobby Portis and Julius Randle, I just want to see some good veteran leadership and some numbers out of them. Yeah, and you got to hope they don't take too much time away from Mitchell Robinson because let's find out if Mitchell Robinson is not just a really nice player on a really bad team. Um, I think he's very good, but the jury's out because he plays for the Knicks. Julius Randle was a really good pickup after the Knicks struck out on their you know goldmine free agency. I thought we were going to talk uh, it, about it. He was a guy that before I had any thought the Nets could land who they did. He was a guy I really wanted, and a guy I've liked for years. I think he's going to bring toughness, physicality, and a really nice attitude to the New York Knicks. Marcus Morris, I was surprised when he turned down the Spurs deal and decided to go to the Knicks, probably because he believes he's going to get some playing time. He can toughen up that locker room, I think. He's an asshole, but it might be in the best of ways with him. Um, remember, he got tossed from that preseason game against Washington for throwing the ball against the defender's head. I think that's an attitude that the Knicks desperately need. Not an asshole vibe, but kind of like a, you know what? We're tired of being pushed around and being bitched and being made fun of, and let's just go out there and play hard-nosed basketball, as hard-nosed as you can play in today's NBA. Yeah, I, R.J. Barrett. I, oh, go just, ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, just please play the young guys. That's all I ask. Well, the, the good thing is is that already coming out of Knicks camp is certain guys are upset about their minutes, which means that the young guys are being prioritized as well they should be. So the, the we talked about it in the summertime. The good thing about these contracts, with the exception of Julius Randle, none of these guys are more than one year and a second-year player option deal, which means a lot of options for trade assets, second-round picks, Maybe if you can steal a first for any of these guys, do it if you're the Knicks. Trade them all off. R.J. Barrett has to be the most important player on this team. I'm not ready to overlook Kevin Knox. I still really like him a lot. But R.J. Barrett was the number three overall pick. He was, at this time last year, thought of higher than Zion Williamson. With Zion's injuries, there's a chance that Barrett, if he's in the right situation, could steal that rookie of the year from him. Give him the most opportunity for success. 
You have to. You owe it to them. You owe it to your fans. And that's why I look at Dennis Smith Jr. and say, this is a problem. Because oh, Dennis, God, Smith, Jr. Dennis Smith Jr. needs to get his. And a score-first mentality point guard, when you have a guy like Kevin Knox and R.J. Barrett on the team, is not a good thing. They better try to find a trade partner for him fast. I don't know who is going to want to take him. I don't know who believes that they can tap into his potential and change his game, but he does not fit on this current New York Knicks team at all. I like Nittlekina for all the reasons you said. There's nothing wrong with an all-defense point guard who can occasionally make a shot, but those are the kind of guys you want on winning teams, not on the New York Knicks. But if things break right, I think you could see you're looking for a culture to be built, right? With these scrap heap guys, with a Bobby Portis, with a Julius Randle, um, with a Reggie Bullock, uh, with a Marcus Morris. You're looking at guys, Alfred Payton, you're looking at guys who can just set a tone and teach the young guys how to play winning basketball and and know what it's like to be pros. Um, I think that was their whole mentality when they signed these guys. I mean, we made fun of them signing six power forwards, and that wasn't that much, but it felt like it. Um, See what the young guys got? Make it about them. Have these have these veterans, those good ancillary pieces, team leaders, vocal leaders, and then trade them for whatever you can get with the exception of uh, Julius Randle. But I think that there's a chance that they could be a fun team. You finally, as a Knicks fan, and Knicks fans all around, have realistic expectations. You didn't go out and get the superstars. You didn't overpay for guys who were past their prime and trying to you know talk about how you could be a, you know, a three or four seed in the East. No. This is about the young guys. This is about establishing a culture. All bad teams who become good do that, and this is what this season's about if you're the Knicks. I think that, to be honest, and this is not me being a dick, I am sincere about this, and I've talked about it with a lot of my other Knicks friends. I think they could actually be worth watching all year. That's all I wish for, man, and just for the young guys to play. I I have nothing else to say about them. I'm depressed, and the season hasn't even tipped off yet. (laughs) All right, next team. Next team. I'm going to number 13 here. I have the Washington Wizards, and the sole reason why they have them, I have them ahead of my two other teams is because Bradley Beal, as of right now, is on this team, and I think he just gave Yeah, and he got the two-year extension, too. Yeah, again, that's still tradable. Any contract is tradable. He took the money. Good for him. He's still a young player. But I just think this team with Bradley Beal on it has more talent than my bottom two teams. That's it. Aside from that, you won't see me watching too many Wizards games this year. Terrible ownership, terrible front office, terrible contract to John Wall, but I do enjoy a good Bradley Beal game. Yeah, he's he's a good reason to put them ahead of the other two, but I'm actually going to go with Cleveland here. They have, I don't know how Garland and Sexton are going to play together, but I'm fascinated to find out. One thing's for sure, they're going to be really fucking fast in that backcourt. They also have Kevin Love still and Tristan Thompson. Two guys who are not great. Love is still, I think, somebody who could help a contending team. He's better than he gets credit for. I think when you're just looking at the other teams, is Bradley Beal enough to put over this team? I don't know. At this point, it's just semantics. But I'll put Cleveland at number 13. Number 14, I had the Cavs. You did a really good job summarizing them there, so I have nothing much else to say. Look out for a Kevin Love trade probably midseason. Yeah, and I put we just flip flopped. I put I put uh, 
Washington here. They're going to be really tough to watch. And for our number 15 team, the least talented team in the NBA, the Michael Jordan-owned Charlotte Hornets, I think they are destined for the number one overall pick. I think they're going to be terrible, and I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't win over, what, 14 games? I think that 14, I didn't see the over-under for them. I, I can't imagine it's anything higher than 14 or 15. They stink. They are such a bad team. The they only player I want to see play on this team and that I'm still holding out hope for, obviously, actually it's two players, Bridges and Monk. I, I still own a lot of Monk stock. I bought it high at the beginning, then I bought a ton more when it was low to try and make my money back. I think he's still a good ball player. Yeah, I like Malik Monk. I want him to be good. He can shoot, and he was such a nice player at uh, Kentucky. He's just buried on an awful team. They got scary Terry Rozier. I mean, talk about what the Knicks didn't do from an intelligent standpoint is pay a guy like Terry Rozier Thank however much money he got. $73 million, I think it was, something along those lines on the a four-year deal. Thing, the funniest thing about this team is we're looking at them and we say they probably have the least talent in the league. They're one of the, they have one of the highest salary caps in the league as well. Oh my God, dude! They're so they're so terribly run, and nobody wants to go there. So they're not a destination. I, I mean, you can't be in a worse situation. Uh, there, there's a few that might be, but I think that in, as far as the East is concerned, as bad as Washington is, you can hit the reset button by trading a Bradley Beal. You know, you, if as bad as Cleveland is, you do have Sexton and Garland, and one of those guys could maybe get you something. Kevin Love could maybe get you something. Uh, I, I just what what are there what movable pieces are there for for Charlotte that are going to reset your franchise? There are none. No, not I mean Nicholas Batum is completely and utterly done and has been for a while, and that contract is just horrific. I mean, him, the money him and Rozier are making is not criminal. Not to mention Kid Gilchrist. Oh God, I Martin forgot about Williams. Kid Gilchrist. Yeah, uh, Zeller. Zeller, I you know what Zeller might be the only player on this team aside from the two. That Do I they still have Frank like. the Tank? Is he, is Frank the Tank still there? No, I think he's on a different team. It doesn't matter what team he's on, but I think he went to a. I think he moved on. Yeah, they're, they're, that's entirely. Oh yeah, I think he went to the Suns or something. But either way, you're, Charlotte is just the, at the bottom of the East. So. All right, man. Speaking of the bottom of the East, why don't we do a recap of our 9 through 15 teams, and then we'll jump into the Eastern Conference Finals. So I have 9 Bulls, 10 Pistons, 11 Atlanta. They're going to be a fun team. 12, the dreadful, but my they're my dreadful New York Knicks. The Wizards <laughs> at 13, the Cavs at 14, and in the basement at number 15, I have the New Orleans Hornets. Sorry, I've got Charlotte Hornets. Sorry, there you go. I was gonna say there's there is a New Orleans team, and they're they're not in the East. I've got Orlando, Atlanta, Chicago, New York, Cleveland, Washington, and Charlotte. All right, so we're not going to go through the whole playoffs because I just think we don't want to bore people to death, and nobody really cares. They just care about who's going to the finals. Eastern Conference exactly Finals. Right. I have the top two teams, and I think it's not even close. Sixers in Milwaukee, and I have the Philadelphia 76ers moving on to the NBA Finals. What about you? Yeah, man, you and I are going to be in agreement here. I, I think it's going to be a great series. I think Milwaukee does have a bad taste in their mouths, but this is a contingent, of, of, obviously, upon health and figuring everything out. 
And I do actually think that if all the pieces stay intact, Philadelphia is the better team. I think we're looking at a six or seven game classic. Giannis is going to play great. Middleton, all of those guys help him out a lot. But I just don't see anybody that can compete with Philadelphia's roster when healthy, and that's why they're going to represent the East in the finals. All right, man, sounds good. So we'll be back with the Western Conference very soon. I'll be putting these up at the same time. So we'll talk to you guys in a little bit. Take care, guys.